Welcome into another edition of Tampa 2. Casey Phillips here with staff writer Bree Dix. And, you know, I really think it was us starting with the Guten Tag last week. We were in the German spirit, and it really it manifested that win. That's what I, I think. think. I think it did, too. So now, today, we have an incredibly <laughs> fun game to break yes. down. This is a, it was a great trip. We were both on it. Um, so much that I feel like we can talk about. And then, of course, we don't have an upcoming game because of the bye week. So we figured we'd also do a little bit of a... Uh, season recap to this mm -hmm. point that it's not quite the midway point but it's the bye week is always just sort of a good time to take stock look at where you are I know that's what the coaches do with it they they take time to self-scout and see what they have so we're going to do a little bit of that here as well because then we'll be back next week and we can preview the next game upcoming so uh, let's start with the Germany game itself and then we can talk a little bit about the overall experience of it but for this game big big picture takeaways for you what stands out I think offensively the thing that we were all most excited about is just the success that they had in creating that balance attack. I mean, I feel like every week we've come in here, we've talked about how they haven't been able to get that effectiveness on the ground, and they were able to do that against the Seahawks team. You know, Rashad White had an incredible game, eclipsed that 100-yard marker. But with the effectiveness of the run game, they were able to open up play action, which that benefited Brady because he had – more time in the pocket. He had more time to survey downfield, and that opened up some of those downfield shots that we haven't really seen, the, the go routes, the post routes, and really complimented Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, and things were just clicking for this offense, mm -hmm. and they were able to put a cohesive unit out there that we haven't really seen, and they converted 10 of 15 third down conversions, which they haven't converted over 50% of those since week five. And also, they were two of two in the red zone. So a lot of these, that perpetual cycle of issues that we have talked about that have plagued this team in 2022, you saw that finally come to fruition. And I really think we will potentially look back at the season and that game-winning drive against the Rams, I think will be the turning point of this year. Yep. Because I think they came in off that game with that confidence and you saw that, and everything was just clicking for this team. And then defensively, I mean, they a team, a Seahawks team that had been predicated on running the football. They knew that was going to happen with Kenneth Walker, the way that he was going, and they were able to hold them in check. They kept them to, you know, 57 yards total in the first half. And although they kind of let up a little bit and gave the, up the touchdowns in the fourth quarter, I think this was still an, an impressive outing for this team. And after a five-game drought of no takeaways, you had Devin White that spearheaded the unit and got, got that strip sack. And that kind of created some of the momentum that that team needed to put, to put away that win. So I think all in all, it was just a very encouraging game in all phases to see. I agree. I think it was the perfect way to handle where every single thing that had been an issue got addressed. Right. Like yes. that's incredible for it to be the third down on both sides of the ball, like you said, in the red zone. And it was explosive place. It was long drives. Mm -hmm. It was not leaving your defense out there forever. Right. I mean, it was just every single thing that had gone wrong this season at any point got addressed in this right. game. And that is such a turning point. It almost makes me sad there's a bye week now because that momentum. Yes, you just want to keep Yeah, keep like I feel like I want to. I want them to get to play again. Now, of course, bye week is amazing in terms of getting healthy. And, you know, I know that everyone is very happy about it, especially after a long trip to Germany. But um, it does feel like that momentum carried over. And I feel like when you're a team that has had success and you do have incredible players and you have a Tom Brady that – we talked about how when he joined the team, there was that feeling of no matter what, we can, we can win. No matter mm -hmm. what the situation is, 
we know we've got Brady, we can do the game-winning drive, we can do this. There's that feeling of we're never out of it. We're always right. in, you know, that, that feeling of we expect to win. And the interesting thing about that feeling is it can go two different ways. It can go a little bit towards complacency of, oh, well, of course we're going to win. Right. Or it can be the motivator of we've, we've got to win. And, and I you think, have got to capitalize on yes, the winning streak. And I think there, you know, who knows? It, it's hard to know what was going through everybody's minds, but maybe there was a little bit of one, and now it's switched to the other of using that we should be winning mentality to, be, to fire you up instead right. of complacency. Mm-hmm. And I think that game-winning drive of the Rams is what did that. It was that reminder of... This is what we have. This is what we can do. This is what we can be. And boy, is it a lot more fun when we're doing it this way. And it felt like the team got back to having fun in Seattle. That yes. that game-winning drive gave them permission to enjoy football again. Because mm-hmm. sometimes that success can be pressure, too. It can feel like we're supposed to win. And mm-hmm. suddenly things are just pressure-packed. And now Seattle, I think back to like Rashad White's stiff arm. And now oh the fact God. that, you know, we I saw the video of like, Quandry, in, incredible. Quandry digs his soul. It was true. It was incredible. <laughs> and then we had Akeem Hicks mic'd up, and I watched that clip of him and the sideline reacting to the stiff arm. And it is, first of all, if you haven't seen it, it's very funny. You need to go check it out. But it's just the excitement everybody had yes. and the support for their teammates and all of it that you just felt like all right, if you're at 10 weeks into the season when things are becoming a grind, you need to be having some fun. And Seattle felt like they rediscovered that fun. And to feel like they now, they put together everything they know they could be. Mm -hmm. And it is going to be great to watch if that could carry over. Um, And I think even just the whole Germany experience, there was a lot to it that probably helped on the field as well. That crowd was unbelievable. The overall experience, watching how excited these people were for football, to see them, the fact that it was loud, start to finish, it gave it a playoff atmosphere. Oh, I would say almost Super Bowl yes. feel to it. Yes, I agree. And I think that there's a lot to be said about that, that even though it wasn't a technical home game experience, therefore, that you had you know, people that were rooting for both teams or neither team or you had Seahawks fans there because it was truly a neutral site, yes. as, as neutral as neutral can be. Um, and so it was loud when you were on offense. So it wasn't a typical home game experience, right. um, but I think the overall atmosphere did a lot to motivate the team as well. Oh, yeah. Well, and just the, I mean, at Allianz Arena, they had during the commercial breaks the the songs, the almost karaoke yeah. in, this, in this arena yep. with fans just singing aloud these songs. And my favorite was during that long Rashad run that – country road song was still playing in the background as he's running it was like this is a movie script I mean it was just incredible and I think that fired up this team as well just seeing the crowd's reactions to this entire game Mm -hmm. was I mean everybody just feeded off that energy yeah I agree I think that's huge um all right so let's get a little bit into um looking at the season up to this Mm -hmm. point and and where things stand um overall where would you just describe where this team is at right now, knowing they are five and five, mm-hmm. yeah, they are one game ahead in the mm-hmm. NFC South, and then looking at when the losses came, when the wins have come, how they've done each of those mm-hmm. things, just kind of an overall evaluation of give me a, a status report of where right. the Buccaneers are. Well, yes, they took sole possession of the NFC South. They're now five and five, but I think the the key for this team moving forward, and like we've touched on, you you saw the same things happening 
over and over on the offense, their inability to sustain drives and convert on third down and got an unfavorable down and distance. And then on defense, I mean, the coaches have stressed the, the missed assignments, the, the poor run fits, the, the missed tackles, and all of these things that contributed to an uncharacteristic effort in stopping the run, which this team has been predicated on forcing teams to be one-dimensional. And they got back to that against the Seahawks. But I think the, the key moving forward is for this team to be able to continue to do that on offense, to be able to continue to run the ball and create that balanced attack. Because when, you, when you're able to run the football and teams have to allocate more resources to the line of scrimmage to stopping the run, then that creates those favorable one-on-one matchups for Mike Evans, for Julio Jones, for those pass catchers where Brady's able to target and has more time downfield to survey and get that going as well. It all works cohesively and then defensively to be able to continue to stop the run and force teams to throw it like they did with Geno Smith. And so I think if if they're able to do that, you're going to continue to see this team stack those wins and then they get back to what is their bread and butter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that um, for me, trying to pinpoint where this team is at is so based on health. And, I mean, that's always how it is in the NFL, right, that that's just such a huge aspect of it is who gets hurt and when and at what positions and all of that kind of thing. And it's no surprise that the year that the Bucs won the Super Bowl, they were considered basically the healthiest team in the league if you look at games missed by your key starters. Um, I look at these games and I think about how when you now have, especially, you know, against Seattle, you have – Antoine Winfield Jr. in and healthy. You have Akeem Hicks in and healthy on the defensive side. And then on the offensive side, you have Julio Jones looking like Julio Jones. You have Chris Godwin looking more like the Chris Godwin before his injury. You know, it just, when you have all these pieces that the Bucs originally imagined Mm -hmm. having, built their offense around, built their defense around, because they talked about how tough it would be to even game plan all year when guys would be day-to-day or questionable, Mm -hmm. you're not sure if they're going to go. Like, do you draw up plays for them not knowing if they're going to go. Do you not? But then they're ready and you haven't planned for it. And there's just been a lot of uncertainty about some very key guys health-wise. And I think when you look at the games where they were all available, that's when you see that this, like, of course, it makes sense that this is right. when this team is, is successful. So I think it's been so up and down and therefore kind of hard to pinpoint. And it, it feels like there'd be games where, you know, Coach Bowles would talk about the fact that no one played a a great game that it would be everybody had just kind of missed assignments here and there that every play it would be one person here one person here it was always very hard to diagnose the team I really think so much of it is the health of therefore it's the communication of the people that are used to playing with each other right and we forget how many there there still are so many new pieces Mm -hmm. to this team and you know I, I had Clyde Christensen on the radio show earlier this week the quarterback coach and he talked about how to get that chemistry with Brady that and you have all these new weapons it is not the same going through walkthroughs, non-padded practices when you you know a guy's kind of jogging a route. That is not going to help you in game time to right. know how a guy releases and what his decision making is yes. going to be and where he wants the ball and where he knows that Brady wants to throw the ball. All those things take true game reps. Mm-hmm. And I think we're finally at a place where and this is very similar to what happened in the Super Bowl year where when all those pieces were new together, it took about right. a week 10, 11, somewhere in there for it's it gonna to, take time. to hit. Yeah, and I think that we're finally seeing guys being healthy enough to get enough of those reps to get that chemistry. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be big. Um, how about for you, interesting storyline so far this year. What stands out to you? Ooh, um, for me, I am going to go with 
Vitavea leading this team mm. in sacks. I think if you had told me at the outset of the 2022 season that our nose tackle was going to be the player that would have the most sacks on this team, I wouldn't have believed you. And that's not to diminish or degrade like his ability because he is an incredibly talented player, but it's to express how rare that is for that position. I mean, the nose tackle is predominantly viewed as that that two-gapper, the guy that sits and holds the line of scrimmage and commands double teams and is the run stuffer. But And while, yes, that is true, it's also true that he's has quickness out of his stance, and he is, he does have the athleticism to be on the field in those passing downs, which creates opportunities for him to get to the quarterback. I mean, he's just been explosive. He has six and a half, and we're only through week 10. So I think it'll be exciting to see where he goes throughout the rest of the season. And like you mentioned, I think having Akeem Hicks back in the middle has really helped create some of those opportunities and those one-on-ones for Vita Vea to overwhelm centers and guards and drop quarterbacks in the backfield. Yeah, I think for me it would be the interior offensive line. Yeah, That's a storyline that's just been so interesting going all the way back to that first week of training camp when Ryan Jensen goes down. And it was already a storyline even before that. When you lost Ali Marpet, you lost Alex Kappa, what is this – group going to look like and you think well at least if there's new guys there you got Jensen anchoring it you got vets on the outside a vet on the inside and then you can kind of they can all help each other out and then of course Jensen goes down and now this whole interior block is new and untested in some ways I mean Shaq Mason of course was not new to the league but new to here right and to just see how they've handled it of where to, I think that there was a bit of a sky is falling mentality when yeah. that happened, that everyone was just like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And to see how Hainsey has stepped up in such a big way. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't really hear his name called, which in the offensive line world, I mean, it's, great it's a, thing. Yes. Great thing. You don't hear his name called a whole lot. Shaq Mason has been playing exactly how everybody thought Shaq Mason mm-hmm. would play. And, you know, we know that Luke Gedeke there was some ups and downs and then he got hurt but then to have Nick Leverett step in and take on Aaron Donald to then be sick last week during oh, yeah. the he week had, he had the flu yeah sick last <laughs> week during the week and then to have to fly to Germany you know after like recovering from being sick and to to play the kind of game he did where we established and I, I know right. that was the first thing I coach think he Bowles played said, a, a big part a of that. huge part in that and this week I you know with my Todd Bowles radio show um, the first thing I just asked him big picture takeaways of the game the first thing he shouted out was the O-line keeping Brady upright and getting the run game going yes. that he was so happy with their performance mm-hmm. and to just see that I think if we could have heard in training camp that in week 10 we'd be hearing the first thing Todd Bowles said is I'm so proud of our O-line we'd be like whoo okay that's good to know yes <laughs> we'd have been so happy to know that that was where things were heading and I just think It'll be interesting to see when Luke Gedeke is healthy again, what they decide to do. So that just that's a storyline for me that is still right. so interesting to see how it's played out to this point, what it'll look like the rest of the year. And again, with the chemistry, they're only going to continue to get better right. as they learn each other and grow in that area. So I do feel like that's, for me, one of the biggest uh, storylines there. So how about we close out with this um, most improved player so far this season? For most improved, I'm going to go with Antoine Winfield Jr. And I know that he's been, you know, he had missed a couple of games with the concussion protocol, but he was back against the Seahawks. And he has been on the upside in the previous years, was got Pro Bowl recognition last year. But I think this season 
how they devised that new role for him in the secondary with kind of that that three safety look. He's in the slot predominantly. I just think he has thrived. I mean, his physicality near the line of scrimmage, his play route recognition to break up screens, his effectiveness on blitzes, he has just had in sensational, sensational year. Yeah. And I think you can't really undervalue what, what he's doing every single game that he's been here. And even when the Bucks weren't playing as well, he would have those timely plays that would help kill the opponent's drives. Yep. So I, I would say he's definitely been one of, one of the most improved and one of the most consistent and durable players this year for the defense. I agree. It's, he was exactly who I was going to say as well, which to say a guy who was already playing at an incredible, incredible level, level is the most is improved, the most improved yeah. is wild. Because a lot of times those most improved awards tend to go to people who weren't great yes. and then have improved. And they like, just hit this they had all this room ceiling, right. to, to grow. And I, it's, it's unbelievable that he still had any room to grow because he was already playing at such a high level. So, yeah, this new role has been incredible for him. So he was going to be who I say. So instead, uh, to not just repeat yours, um, I think I'm going to go with Rashad White. Mm-hmm. That I think to, to watch how he just you – know, he wasn't used a whole lot earlier in the, in the year, but it never has felt like the moment – was too big for him. Mm-hmm. And I think about how even when he fumbled the opening kickoff against the Chiefs, he came right back and, and had some really big plays yeah. after that. Like, he's just seemed like a guy who nothing gets to him. He yeah. has the maturity, and he just keeps grinding it out no matter what his role is, however big or small. He's a team guy. He's happy for everybody. He's doing what's asked of him. And to see him go from really not getting too many opportunities on offense early on in the year to now his first 100-plus rushing game and to just do it on such a huge stage. Um, I I think that I'm really excited to see, you know, just he runs with such energy and bounce and smoothness somehow still. And I just I I think it's going to be really exciting to see the way that we can use both him and Fournette together oh, and how yeah. I think they, they make each other better. That they're gonna, Oh, yeah, they have very complimentary styles. Yeah, I think that it's just going to be the, the fact that both of them are, are doing well is now going to help each other mm-hmm. and, and kind of be a snowball effect. So I think Rashad White is my answer on that one. Um, all right, well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Tampa 2. Again, we'll be back next week, and we're going to do a little bit more analysis of the season to this point and then look ahead to the next game at Cleveland. So make sure you come back then. We'll see you next week.